Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily, the Premier League podcast. It was D-Day for Nottingham Forest and yet again for Everton and they found out that they have been charged by the Premier League for breaking the profit and sustainability rules. New ground for Forest, but for Everton fans it feels like the same thing all over again. Both clubs have two weeks to respond before then the cases will be put before an independent commission. Only then will we find out if points deductions are in order. Lots to talk about on today's Football Social Daily, including the punishments potentially for those two clubs, Nottingham Forest and Everton. We'll also talk about whether a legendary manager could be on his way back to the Premier League after a couple of years away. And some of the latest transfer rumours that are doing the rounds in the top flight are certainly head scratchers. We're 16 days into January now. And it's all been mysteriously quiet, hasn't it? This is Football Social Daily, the award-winning Premier League podcast. My name's Niall, Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson with me. Good morning, boys. A very snowy morning today in Manchester. How are you doing? Good morning. Yeah, just saying to, to Joel, I don't think I'm playing football anytime soon. <laughs> After waking up and there's a good two, three inches of snow. I'm meant to be training tonight. And it'd be playing at the weekend, then it's going to be like this all week. So you mean you don't have undersoil heating at Duckinfield Recreation Ground or whatever it's called? <laughs> um, do you know what? Actually, we 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 train um, around the corner, about five ten minutes drive away, um, and it's actually Premier League and Football League facilities. Um, clubs use it like proper. It's a proper sports college. Um, and the manager said today they've only got one undersoil heating um, pitch, um, and we probably won't get it. So. Training is most likely off tonight and we can just sit in and <laughs> stay out of the minus, I think it's minus three outside. So I don't fancy that um, at the best of times. 
Uh, especially when the game at the weekend is 100% being called off anyway because there's no pitch in, <laughs> in the world that can handle, no Sunday League pitch in the world that can handle temperatures this week for seven days. So, yeah, nice uh, nice easy week, I think. I think it's going to get down to minus six on Thursday, I was reading. And some of the American and Canadian listeners are thinking, oh, what are you guys moaning about? Minus six, that's child's play for us. A friend of mine's been in Finland Estonia and Latvia over the last few days when he touched down in Tallinn Joel it was minus 32 degrees <laughs> yeah that's that's light work that I mean look at what we have to deal with two inches of snow are you crazy we don't have a snow plow <laughs> I mean get the orange balls out it'll be fine go and have a kick about oh, I love a game with an orange ball and uh snow moved for, for lines you know where they just uncover the lines and maybe paint them blue you always ah, see those great. games in uh you know when Shakhtar Donetsk usually play and you can <laughs> yeah. just see the lines outlined that's why they play in orange so you can actually see say, where they are yeah, yeah. 100% <laughs> that's why they play in orange you can't see the ball because it's just it looks like one of their shirts is there anything more 90s than an orange football I'm not sure there is oh I love an orange football though I don't know why they're yellow now good colour I liked because I, I remember when the yellow football concept came back into the Premier League. It must be a good fifteen years ago now. You know when the the when the Nike they brought out that yellow and blue one with the sort of yeah the, was, it the Mer, was it the Merlin yeah I think it might have been called the Nike Merlin yeah the, I always remember Thierry Henry smashing goals in left out and centre with that <laughs> one with his gloves on during the winter time. It was such a good era. <laughs> now we've got a lot to talk about today on Football Social Daily including those charges Nottingham Forest and Everton have both been charged by the Premier League for breaching the profit and sustainability rules not two months after Everton were last charged for it they've been charged again and as for Forest as we spoke about on yesterday's podcast we thought that might be the case but before we get into all of that I saw something on social media yesterday that caused a bit of a storm so I wanted to start today's podcast with it and get your opinions on this Wade Plemons is allegedly a sports commentator from the United States. He's retweeted a clip of the UFC president Dana White basically saying that he can't stand soccer and it's the least talented sport on earth. Wade Plemons then quote tweets this and says, I've said this for a while, soccer is one of the easiest sports to play. That doesn't mean at the top of the sport it's easy. It's not. At world level, you're a 1% athlete. Not everyone can play it at that level. But I do agree that it's one of the easiest sports to learn and play. Now, naturally, on this side of the pond, a lot of British people have lost their heads about this comment from Wade Plemons. I don't know who Wade Plemons is. Maybe our American listeners will know more than me. But Joel, like you are shaking your head. Yeah, it does. That sounds like a name that Homer, um, Mo off The Simpsons would shout out in the bar. Is there a Wade Plemons <laughs> in the house? <laughs> the and Simpsons then, like, just came to my mind. <laughs> Joel, you were shaking what your head Dave. vigorously then. Oh my God, I shut my head so much. I think I need to oil my neck because I'm getting a bit <laughs> rusty around the edges. If anyone's ever seen a football player an amateur come to a five-a-side game who's never played before you know about it whenever you see a person come to a five-a-side you know that they've never played before because the technique is not not there technique in football takes years and years of repetition to actually play to a decent level and let, let's just not get it twisted as well when it comes to ufc anyone can try and fight Go outside Deansgate Locks in Manchester around one o'clock in the night time and you'll probably find try and find some, you know, wannabe Conor McGregor's throwing left, right and centre. Doesn't mean they're going to win and they're going to knock someone out. Nine times out of ten, you see them on the floor. Both are very, in their own right, very difficult sports to play. Just because you can kick a ball doesn't mean you can kick it well. You know, there's a very distinct difference between the two. So in my opinion, 
obviously Dana White is not happy that people are not getting rear naked chokehold out in a <laughs> game. That's his own prerogative, but it's just an absolutely ignorant comment to make. Well, actually, I think Dana White has a point. Hear me out here. He says football is one of the easiest sports to learn and play. There's a reason three-year-olds can do it. He's right. It is one of the easiest sports to learn and play, which is why it's so popular. It's why it's the most popular sport in the world. There's the simplistic beauty. It's why it's called the beautiful game. Any kid, whether they like football or not, has probably kicked a football around in their back garden as a toddler at some point or in the park with granddad or uncle or dad or whoever it might be. It's happened. And even if you grow up not to like the sport, everyone knows what football is. Not everyone knows what UFC is or what cricket is or what gridiron football is. I couldn't tell you if I watched an American football game, who's an athlete. Well, they're all athletes. I'll give them that. They're all athletes. But in terms of the raw skill level, for someone to reach the level of like a Kevin De Bruyne or a Lionel Messi, I don't think that you can compare the two sports and then say that one is significantly easier than the other. It's not One's not easier than the other. I mean, football is the most accessible. Why do you think that everyone around the world plays it? Because you only need a ball. That's it. But it doesn't mean necessarily you're going to be a good player just because you have a ball. Like when you look at the statistics of who makes it in football, that right there tells you just how difficult it is to make it to the top level. Whereas I feel like in UFC, you can probably train someone to defend themselves very, very well within about a year. Of course, to get to the top level, you know, Muhammad Ali's status, of course, you have to have something in you. You gotta work extremely hard. And I've got a lot of friends who are amateur and semi-professional boxers, and I do not envy the regime that they have to go through in terms of their training. You could not pay me to go and do that. Getting up at 4 a.m. and doing hill runs and that kind of thing is not my kind of thing. But in terms of the actual skill to make it to the top level, I genuinely believe football is even more difficult because you have to have a real, you have to almost be like a, like an artist, have your own niche in terms of how you play the game. Whereas I feel like with fighting, I feel like you can be trained within about a few years. Dana White obviously has his opinion, but this is what Wade Plemons says. He says that American football is the hardest sport to play at the highest level, specialists in all 11 positions. Throwing, catching, tackling, blocking, kicking, it's not even close. In football, you have a goalie that catches everyone else's kicks. He's never watched a game of it, has he? Clearly. That's what he thinks. Um, and he's, it, for me, he's contradicted his own, his own point there immediately by saying specialists in every position. If you're a specialist in every position, you've got one job. The punter comes on the field and kicks the ball and runs off again. He doesn't do anything else. In football, you are always on the pitch doing multiple jobs. You're attacking, you're defending, you're passing, you're tackling, you're dribbling, you're creating space for teammates, you're doing all sorts of stuff. Even the goalkeeper now, especially in the modern game where his distribution is now a big thing. Whereas if you're an offensive tackle, you know, in in um, American football, you just tackle the guy. You, you get an opponent and you go, if you get the ball, I'm going to tackle you. And that is your only job for every play. And I know it takes fitness and stuff like that, but that you see some guys that are like 330 pounds and can't move because all their all their job is is to be stronger than the guy the guy that they're facing. So it's so specialist. It's stupid. If you gave a Premier League team three months to learn how to play gridiron and an American football team three months to learn how to play soccer, I guarantee you one of them would perform better than the other team. And that is the Premier League football team would be better at American football than the American football team would be better at soccer. Yeah, because you can, you, there's the tactical side of it. In the, like, 
there's le- there's much less technique in. And you know what? American Let them have fifty players on a squad because that's how many is that how many there is in American football? I don't even know. But anyway, Wade Plebian or whatever his name is has decided that uh, he was offered out on social media by a Chelsea fan who apparently lives near Heathrow Airport and has a Sunday League team. And the next time that he's in London is going to go and turn out and play in goal for this Sunday League team. Please, I beg <laughs> you, if you're in the area, go down there, film it. I want to see this guy get humiliated. Clemens but I thought that was an interesting conversation to start off the podcast. Next up on Football Social Daily, we're going to talk about the charges for Everton, Nottingham Forest, who went into what could potentially happen on yesterday's show. But now, as we expect, both the Toffees and Forest have been charged by the Premier League for breaching profit and sustainability rules. More on that next on FSD. <laughs> Brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is Football Social Daily, an award-winning Premier League podcast. Not afraid to tackle all of the tricky topics in the Premier League. As much as we enjoy talking about the actual on-field action, so often these days, there's off-field drama to go with it. And this time, there's more profit and sustainability chat because Everton once again have been charged by the Premier League for breaching the rules for the second time This season, they already got docked 10 points in November for a previous breach. And Nottingham Forest have joined them as well in being charged by the Premier League. What we know after the announcement from yesterday from the Premier League is that Everton and Forest have two weeks to lodge an appeal if they wish to dispute the charges. Then the cases will be put before an independent commission and that independent commission will decide what the punishment will be. That independent commission famously docked Everton 10 points just two months ago. The craziest thing for me, though, Joel, is, as we mentioned a few weeks back on the podcast, the timings of these hearings. The hearings must be completed by April the 5th, by which match week 31 of the Premier League season would have already been played. And then another week before the decision is taken means that 32 game weeks have passed, which means we're into the final six games of the campaign. And if we're talking about points deductions here, that changes everything. Literally, this season is going to go down to the final day, but not in the way that we're used to. Not in the way in which all teams are neck and neck fighting to stay up, but the, the, we're going to have potentially two teams with an asterisk 
should be three potentially, not naming any names. But, you know, we've got two teams with an asterisk at the bottom going into the final days of the season. To me, it's incredible because when you look at the actual details of what's gone on, it says that Nottingham Forest were in regular dialogue with the Premier League throughout this whole process. So obviously they've known that it's about to come. And the main sticking point or the stickler in the whole scenario is the Brennan Johnson transfer. It feels and it sounds so contextual where you could have an argument either side of it where the sale of him was clearly delayed in order to get more money but then it doesn't account for the accounts that actually mattered in this whole process I mean they do have a point when it comes to that I mean you can even look at Everton's point where they thought that they could have got more money uh, for Richarlison from Spurs than the 50 million that they got in 2022 when they were forced to sell him on the last day for a little bit less than they thought uh, he was actually worth these are all different scenarios where clubs have almost been pushed into a corner, having to sell their main assets for a lesser price just so that they get inside those accounts. So then it accounts for a better viewing for the Premier League, you know, when it reaches the sustainability. I feel like Nottingham Forest have a way better case than Everton, more so because Everton have been so negligent when it comes to the transfers over the last few years. You know, you can name all the ones that Marcel Brands was making and selling. You can understand why they're making a loss. They've been selling off the players that they bought for 30, 40 million. But is it not up to the clubs to understand the rules, Joel? Everton knew the rules and they broke them. Nottingham Forest should have learned the rules upon their promotion to the Premier League and have subsequently broken them. And yes, it's not easy. And we've spoken about our sympathies for both clubs, particularly the supporters who don't have any say in this, really. It's on the directors and the management at both clubs to know the rules and to comply. And they didn't do it. Well, I, th I remember when we all spoke about this, when there was rumours that Everton might get a charge. And because it hadn't happened in such a long time, and especially to a club like Everton, I think we were all thinking it's not going to happen. If it does happen, it'll be a slap on the wrist. There'll be a fine, especially when we're seeing how the Manchester City one's being dealt with. We were thinking this is going to be something that'll get brushed under the carpet quickly. I think teams weren't prepared with how abrupt the Premier League was going to be with their punishments. I don't think they actually thought it was going to happen. I think they were almost coasting along thinking, ah, the Premier League's not going to try and, you know, put a tarnish, have two teams with an asterisk under their name on the on the league table. And it's a great point you make about everyone else around the club by the board who are actually managing all these details. You know, Nuno just came out in a press conference today in response to it saying, you know, everyone's worried about it, but he can't do anything about it. He's got no control over it. He said that they're going to try new transfers in the same way that they were always going to do them, which is, I mean, you've got to kind of go on as you will regardless, but he has no control. He's literally walked into a house fire and he's had no control or say over that, neither of the players either. So you could say on one half is negligence, on the other half, are the Premier League being too harsh? Are they not seeing the context around it? But we'll soon find out in the appeal to see both sides of the coin. But it's hard to, to kind of suggest who deserves what punishment at the moment. Going back to what I said, though, about the timing of this, we said when Everton got charged Marley that it wasn't the worst time to be docked points because it was early in the season. They had time to recover. Let's just say that Forest are found by the independent commission to be guilty and their docked points a la Everton were. Then they decide to appeal that punishment of docked points as Everton have done themselves. That appeal must finish by the 24th of May. The season ends on the 19th of May. There is a situation in which Nottingham Forest 
could survive only to then be relegated if they're docked a certain amount of points five days later. It's going to be chaos. Yeah, it's going to be... I don't even know how to sum it up. Like, it's just... You can't... The process takes so long that there's only sort of one real time you can can do it. And it's sort of like the start of the season. It's kind of... It's unfair that they don't they won't have chance to fight themselves out of it as much as another club would. Like it's just I don't know, the whole thing just doesn't sit right with me. I think it's a lot of you know, a lot of um like a a grey area basically. You don't know where when things are gonna happen. If you say there's a deadline, like for transfers, for example, like you, there is a deadline, it is the end of January. Once that clock hits February, if you haven't got the deal sheet in it's you can't do it, and then you know there's this thing of oh you might get a points deduction. All right, when? Don't know. Like what? Like when? You know when? When have I got to get the accounts in in order for and how? There's Forest sitting in the pre- sitting in the Championship trying to get to the Premier League and not even trying that hard to get to the Premier League. Probably more just trying to stay in the Championship when Steve Cooper came in and they were bottom. And then it's just a case of well we didn't vote for this. And they have a genuine sort of a right to be aggrieved about this because all they've tried to do is just stay up. And yeah, they've done some bad business, as we said yesterday, and they've done some shocking players that they've signed, but they're trying and that's it. Um, So yeah, to to go, if this comes in with six games left, I will, it's hard not to be sympathetic for them. Um, They've just got to hope that now they know that it might come then, you know, and Everton. If Everton's the yardstick of ten points, be ten points clear, and that is a weird situation to be in. But that's the situation that these rules have have led us to. Um, and there's there's a bigger question of whether they're um, suitable and whether they do the job they're intended to. Um, you know, the profit and sustainability rules. You know, was called FFP. I'd still call it FFP, but FFP stands for fit for purpose because I'm not sure it is fit for purpose. Um, but that's where we are. That's why I think there needs to be an independent regulator in the game. There absolutely has to be. Well, at, at this moment of recording, Richard Masters and um, is it Rick Parry, the EFL guy, they're in Parliament asking, you know, being being grilled on on this financial situation, which, you know, if... If you've ever got to a point where the the guys who are running the um the leagues are being questioned by a parliament which is unfit for purpose itself, <laughs> you know you know your game's in a mess. You know your game's in a mess. Like something's seriously wrong. And I I feel sorry for Richard Masters and and Rick Parry to an extent because they're getting pressured to sort this out because there's the threat of the Super League and there's the threat of this team going bust and that and they're kind of being pushed into a corner, but. They started their own snowball rolling in 1993 when the Premier League started and we chased the status of best league in the world rather than this is this is a bit more fair. Like the Bundesliga is a lot more fair. However, it's uncompetitive by and win everybody year. So the Premier League is different, but they made a rod for their own backs and now the rod is massive and is beating the hell out of everybody in the Premier League yeah. 23, 30 years later, whatever it is. And I know we often do go into some of the socio-political elements of football and a lot of people go, well, just stick to the actual on-field action. I don't think you can in situations like this because 
even though football clubs are spending too much money, I think that's clear for all to see. Sometimes there are mitigating factors such as coronavirus. Obviously, politically, there was Brexit, which impacts clubs in the way that they can sign players and also the wages that they can offer to players. I think people forget about that. The fact of the matter is that Everton and Nottingham Forest have both been charged by the Premier League for breaching profit and sustainability rules. They've got a week or two to appeal that decision. If they decide to accept the charges, then they'll go to an independent commission. Then the independent commission will determine whether points will be deducted or whether a fine will be applied. Then both clubs have the opportunity to appeal that process as well. So we are nowhere near seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. So apologies, Everton and Nottingham Forest fans. You're going to have a lot of stress to deal with over the next few months. Next up, though, on Football Social Daily, we're going to talk about some of the latest January transfer rumours, of which there's not been many this month, to be honest with you. And a Premier League legend might be on his way back to the top flight. We'll talk about it next. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favourite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Final part of today's show. This is FSD. I'm Niall. Joel and Marley are with me. And Joel Tudor is a huge Jose Mourinho fan. And the Portuguese has just been dismissed by AS Roma, the Serie A club, have decided that they're going to part company with Jose. They say that they need an immediate change in fortunes, but they wish Mourinho all of the best. Of course, Mourinho won Roma, the Europa Conference League. He was going to leave at the end of the season anyway, Joel. So we knew that Jose Mourinho was available in the summer. We've spoken about whether he might come back to the Premier League in the past, and he did. He came back to Tottenham. Now he's being linked with clubs like Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace, the club that never take a risk in their life, are going to appoint the most volatile manager you've ever seen There's in the game. There's something about yeah. Mourinho, though, that makes me think that Crystal Palace would actually work. I don't know what it is. <laughs> I just don't know Crystal what Palace it is. How does Crystal Palace work? Do they win things? Like, do, like, well, do you know what I mean? Crystal Palace are going to be so grateful to have Mourinho that he can get them to finish in the top 10. That's a success. In Crystal Palace terms, that's a success, isn't it? Not? It is, but it's it's so dismal, isn't it? Oh, like, yeah, but you've gone I mean, from come conceding on. 15 goals a season with Chelsea, who were one of the best sides you've ever seen, to teaching Nathaniel Klein how to defend properly at right back. I mean, there's the prospect of having a, a statue of himself in Camden Town. Well, he still lives in London, doesn't he? Well, his family are still based in London, so there's a good chance we could see him back in the Premier League or back in the country at some point, maybe as a pundit or a director of football. I don't know. Joel, what do you think? I just want him back. It'd be good to see him back. Oh, yeah. I, I, I just, like, like, like take that said, I want you back. <laughs> like, we want him back in the Premier League. He's just box office, isn't he? The Premier League never quite feels the same when he's not there, just purely because of his antics. We all, I just love his antics, the way he has a way with words during, you know, talking with the media and if there's a situation during the game, he just... He is very, very, the box office is the best word to describe him. But if you're talking about who he could go to, I know the biggest and most strongest link is Newcastle. In terms of one one argument, which is the drama and the entertainment, bring him in. In terms of Newcastle's future success, it's a disaster. 
It is a disaster. You have to leave the past. Well, and- we joked about Crystal Palace. They wouldn't be able to believe the fact that they've got Jose Mourinho. I think there is an element of the Newcastle fan base that would not be able to believe that they've got Jose Mourinho. I know they've had Rafa Benitez, who's a high profile manager, but Mourinho is a different But he's different. It's thing. different though. He's he's not the same man in terms of man. So he's the same man, but he's not the same manager anymore. People need to stop clinging onto the past and hoping for a miracle as if he's going to recreate that 2014 with every single club that he goes to I mean he's tried it at Man United it didn't quite work out although he's been the most successful manager we've had since Alex Ferguson retired but he wins stuff Joel he wins stuff I know exactly what you're saying and you've got a spot on point he's not going to come in and play the way that people want to play but he won the conference league with Roma he won stuff with Manchester United he was sacked the day or the week before a cup final by Tottenham Hotspur could easily have ended up winning that trophy who knows one stuff with Chelsea both times one stuff with Real Madrid one he's when uh, he he's, wins he's won everywhere. everywhere apart from yeah apart from Spurs who sacked him before a cup final which is absolutely still devastating to this day of course he he has a reputation i mean he's brought Roma their first european trophy albeit it is the lowest ranked one but he got into the Europa League final the following season in very dubious circumstances in that final by the way uh, with Anthony Taylor getting absolutely mobbed in the airport if everyone remembers I'll tell you what Anthony Taylor doesn't want him to come back to the Premier League <laughs> yeah, he's Jesus like, Christ one guy will be petitioning away from it but I think for Newcastle they need to be a little bit more progressive if they're ever to look for the next manager I don't feel like Eddie Howe's even ready to move on yet I still think he needs time to bed in I mean this is the first real bit of adversity he's had at Newcastle and let's not forget as well his hands are tied in terms of transfers for the foreseeable future I think with Mourinho, the next step for him will be Saudi or it will be the Portuguese national team at some point. I think club-wise, I think he's probably overstayed his welcome in terms of what he feels he can achieve now because, you know, Roma at the moment, they're in ninth place in Syria. I know they're not as rich as, you know, let's say Juventus or Inter Milan or AC Milan and that's always going to be really difficult to contend with. But, you know, when he went to Spurs, it wasn't impressive either. It wasn't, you know, a team that is going to go places. And although he probably will be attracted by the fact that Newcastle could potentially spend and he will be attracted by that. I just think you need to leave the past in the past. And as a neutral, I would love to see it happen just because I want to see how that would unfold. It would be drama. But I think if I was a Newcastle fan, you would have to kind of be cruel to be kind and just think it's, it's you got to move on a little bit. To be fair, there's not many places in which you can imagine Mourinho slotting in. We know that Crystal Palace are going to probably part ways with Roy Hodgson again in the summer. We know that David Moyes might end up leaving West Ham in the summer also. Could Jose Mourinho go in there? That fits the London bill, but then he will have managed Chelsea, Tottenham and West Ham United. Only Arsenal left. That's it. We'll just be linking in with uh, London. Maybe it's a London FC job and just, just amalgamate all the clubs, give him the, give him the title. Um, I think actually... Just on the Newcastle point, number one, the job isn't even up for sale, um, up for filling. Um, number two, if it ever was, he would be, I'm sure he would be interested because of his Bobby Robson links in the past. Started off there, absolutely loves, you know, idolised him through his career. Pretty much owes everything to, to Bobby. So he always knew of Bobby's love for Newcastle. I've said it on the podcast before. He's always been open to it, but Newcastle have never been at Mourinho's level. And then now the meeting in the middle type of thing. So... Maybe it's a bit of a sliding doors moment if the job ever comes available, but as as it is, it isn't. Um, and there's no money to spend or not enough 
allowance for the money to to be spent anytime soon. But where I can see him genuinely going back in is if things don't improve for Pochettino, I can genuinely see him going back to Chelsea again on a on a goose hitting style short term thing to the end of the season and then and then leaving but try and get him out the door if he's done a good job for six months there's zero chance in true football social daily absolute hot take style i might do a jim salverson here and shake your hand and say we're more likely to see him at crystal palace than we are at chelsea it'll probably it'll probably never come off but yeah, i would say that what do you want? i'd think you'd go back to chelsea i don't think crystal pa- crystal palace would shake in their boots if they were to ever even send an email to Mourinho's management saying, "When do you want to manage us?" Were that, were that like, were that team that's always thirteenth? Like, no, you just—they're never gonna do that. I told you, if they get in the top ten, it's an achievement. Oh. It's like it's like that documentary when Sunderland were looking at the transfers and he said, "Why is Latani Ibrahimovic on this list?" <laughs> <laughs> right, Jose Mourinho could be on his way back to the Premier League. Who knows? He was out of contract at Roma in the summer anyway, but it looks like. Clubs could start talking to him a little earlier than they anticipated with him sacked by AS Roma. Finally, we're going to talk about the only real transfer rumour doing the rounds, and it is a bit of a rumour. It also involves Chelsea Marley, and that's Karim Benzema, who, of course, has been playing in the Saudi league. He's been linked with a short-term deal to help Chelsea's striking issues. Do you think that will come off? Because it seems like a Chelsea deal of old and not one under this new guard that they've been making. Of course, the eight-year contracts, young players, young profiles. This feels like a heart back to the old Chelsea days. It 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 does, yeah. Um, I can't I can't see this happening. Um, I also don't want it to happen because if they give him that number nine shirt and he and it fails, um, then I don't know what, then it is genuinely cursed, um, that number nine shirt at Chelsea. Um, but yeah, I mean, the the financial impact of it, even if it's a short-term deal, they would have to deal with it short-term in on the books type of thing. Um, so the, the, you know, the wages and stuff would, would hinder them on the balance sheets over the course of a lot quicker than they, they would for Nkunku and Badia Shiel and Nicholas Jackson and all the other disasters that they've signed. Um, but so no, not not really. I think it's just paper talk. And there's a lot of um, narrative coming out that people aren't happy in Saudi and stuff like that. And they're all going to come back and they're all going to escape type of thing and, and come back to the leagues they were previously in or, or new ones. Um, and I think it's just the latest case of that, really. Do you think, Joel, Benzema is more likely to come to the Premier League or Jose Mourinho? I'm not betting on this one, by the way. <laughs> well, Jose to Palace. I think there's more chance of me going to Palace than Jose, to be honest. So, Jose, uh, Jose to Palace and taking Benzema with him. <laughs> That'll be box office. Watch this. West Ham will end up buying Benzema and Mourinho. Now we've said this. <laughs> Nobody's a winner. Thanks for listening to Football Social Daily today. Don't forget to hit subscribe. You'll never miss an episode again. Later this week, we'll look at our team of the season so far. A lot of you have been penning down your 1s to 11, figuring out who you think's had the best first half of the campaign. We'll do exactly that later on this week. Hitting subscribe or follow is the best way to make sure you don't miss that. You can also keep in touch with us via the Telegram group, the link to which is in the description, as are the links to all of our social media pages. But from Joel Marley and myself, that's it for another episode of Football Social Daily. We'll speak to you tomorrow. See you then. Football Social Daily is a Voiceworks Sport production for the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you.